Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Monday, January the 4th of 2021. And we are, as always, uh, honored. My brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando are joining me. And as always, it is a privilege and an honor to bring the word today and study the word of God, especially more than ever before in such an hour like this. And we want to welcome all of our listeners, wherever you're tuning in. Uh, we're so grateful, as we mentioned just a few days ago, uh, last Thursday, how grateful we were for each and every one of you who t- would take the time day after day uh, tuning in and being part of this fellowship. And we thank God for you. And we know that uh, God is going to continue to increase uh, and begin to show us even more things this year. And so we are excited. As always, we consider it we consider it an honor and a privilege to handle the precious eternal word of God. Well, here we are. Here's the beginning of the year, and uh, I think I think we all know if we've been listening to these podcasts where we're heading. But we find comfort in the word. We want to give as much time as we can to the study of the word today, and so I'm going to leave it now to uh, Brother Marty to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. We welcome you to the year 2021. And uh, as we enter the new year of 2021, we find the whole world is is in turmoil. (laughs) You know, Daniel's vision of of the turmoil upon the great sea uh, has indeed come to pass. and, And truly the great sea, the whole world is raging. The four winds have been blowing for quite some time now. And, you know, this week, uh, the United States, <clears throat> indeed the whole world, um, is now turning its eyes to Washington, D.C. On January the 6th, this Wednesday, uh, they're saying uh, there's a reported uh, over one million people are going to be gathering on Capitol Hill. Um to, to contest uh, the, the 2020 presidential election. It really is history in the making. And the outcome is very much uh, yet to be decided. Now, we spent the better part of 2020 and, and, and really in earnest in December uh, exploring many prophetic scenarios. And, and we really encourage you to go back and, and listen to, to those podcasts from last year. I think it was close to 190, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, But we encourage you to start from the beginning when you have the time, and you will receive an education in the deeper things of God as we explore the word at great depth led by the Holy Spirit, for which we're thankful to God. And then as we got to 2020, uh, close of 2020 in December, we went uh, even deeper. Uh, as we as we explored some some prophetic scenarios for what we believe is coming up, and like I said, this this week is history in the making, and indeed uh, there is much to be decided. And and so we encourage you, as we said, to go back and revisit, if anything, December's podcasts uh, as we begin this year. Uh, but like we said, as as we begin 2021, let us consider on this first podcast of the year. Um, where I believe and we believe that we are heading now. 
in the coming days and months ahead. And so with that in mind, Brother Jeremy, I'm going to ask you if you could read two verses to us as we begin our study today. If you have your Bibles, we encourage you, as always, to follow along and to settle in uh, as we will begin in Genesis 15, uh, beginning with the first verse. And then I would like you, Brother Jeremy, if you could uh, also read to us uh, verse 16 and 17. And we'll begin our study in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy. Amen. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great word. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Praise God. When the sun went down, it was dark. And behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those pieces. We're going to begin looking today. Uh, on that phrase, really, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp, and what that implies uh, from a prophetic point of view. There's something very interesting that took place in Genesis 15 uh, that can easily go unnoticed to the untrained. But the Holy Spirit reveals some amazing things here, and I believe it is exactly where we are right now. Those of you who have been with us, you know that the Lord in his word declares the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, Isaiah 46, and I believe it is. And so it's a principle of the word of God to always search for the understanding and to always look for the Lord Jesus and how he's unfolded in these stories. This is an actual account of Abram and God's visitation. <laughs> and verse 1 really uh, sets the tone uh, for what we're about to explore. He starts out in verse 1 by telling Abram uh, that I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. But prior to that, he says, do not fear. Fear not, Abram. So it sets the tone for a very intense thing that's about to unfold here. And we're going to look at it today from the prophetic sense, the metaphor of the end times, and how what we will see in chapter 15 is an unfolding of exactly what the prophet said will happen and did happen and were, was going to happen in the end of time. So as we look here, he, he begins to set that tone. And don't forget, because what we're about to enter into necessitates God telling him two things. One, do not be afraid, verse 1. Two, I'm your shield. This indicates protection. So what he's revealing here, and again, we're looking at it from a prophetic point of view, is that he is going to protect Abram. And in many senses, as we get into what we're going to see here, it is what he's telling us for our time right now. What is coming, basically, is inferred 
by the phrase, do not be afraid, fear not. And what he is to not be afraid of is then also revealed by the next thing he tells him. I'm your shield. So this indicates that conflict is being prophesied and that aggression toward Abram and really his seed, because that's what he's going to you know, reveal to him, the church at the end time, made up of both Jew and Gentile, which we'll see clearly, Lord willing. Uh, that we need to understand that that is what is upon us, that what is coming is going to be directed at us, as the Bible reveals to us in Revelation 13, concerning the end of time. He says, uh, and the Antichrist and the Antichrist system, which we believe is right on the edges of, of coming full into bloom in the not too many days ahead. As a matter of fact, much of what's taking place in Washington, D.C. right now and this week is all about that. The entire world is contesting over the last remaining vestige of freedom for mankind. Should the Lord allow it to occur, should he allow it to transpire the way we believe prophetically that it is unfolding, then the world indeed is being plunged into the long darkness. They've been telling us all throughout 2020 that what they are attempting to do is to absolutely and completely reset the world. They call it the great global reset. And while our eyes have been distracted in this country looking at presidential elections, looking at do I wear a mask, don't wear a mask, trying to deal with a global pandemic, the truth of the matter is powerful forces around the world have been uh, solidifying their position throughout all of last year, bringing us now to this week probably the most important week in the history of the world since the early days of the church. Because what we are witnessing now is the culmination of the attempt of the enemy to finally connect the world on a global scale to dominate, to impose his satanic ideology upon a, a receptive population, because that is exactly what the book of Revelation predicts, that there, that what is coming is, is a separation between the true and the false. What is coming is a separation between those who say they love God and those who don't. And ultimately, what the book of Revelation reveals is it is also uh, basically coming down to this. If your name has not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world, you're in the other camp. And so we know by that that when we come into Genesis 15, what we are witnessing is 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 just that. What God begins to reveal to him, and we're looking at it again by the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what do we learn here? Before we get into the balance of chapter 15, we need to understand what went before it, right? And what we see, and we're not going to go through it extensively, but those of you who want to take the time to study chapter 13 and chapter 14 leading up to it, and really chapter 12 too, which we'll discuss here in a second, uh, what what has actually happened in chapter 13 is a separation has taken place. And so we can look uh, for those patterns in the unfolding prophetic declaration of the scripture through these stories for our time. And, and notice what happens here 
in chapter 13. Could you turn over to chapter 13? There's a there's a there's an account in chapter 13 of the increase of Abram's house and the house of Lot. And in many respects, we can applying it to our times, or at least you know exacting the truth of it. But really, this is a metaphor for the more uh, advanced understanding spiritually adept person when you look at it prophetically speaking but even on the surface of it what we're seeing are truths that can be applied to our time what we see is an abram coming up out of egypt with his nephew lot and in many respects they represent two churches and they reach a point of prosperity where they can no longer dwell together and 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 really this is the hand of the lord as we know, because when Abram came out from his father's house, he was told and commanded by God to come out completely alone. But he came with Lot. We're not going to explore that today other than to say when they reached this point, uh, when Abraham actually came out from his father's house, he, he really didn't. He took his father with him. He took uh, you know, Lot with him and so forth and so on. But over a process of time, God was slowly causing events to transpire in his life so that he would be completely separated from 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 his nephew from his father's house and 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 from his kindred and from what he had known before that's that's chapter 12 when we get to chapter 13 we find them in a position now both of them being completely blessed and and really lot was blessed as a result of father abraham although lot kind of got to the point where he was comfortable in his prosperity and thought that that he had something to do with with why he's blessed but see what we see taking place here is exactly what we have seen transpire in the 20th century into the 21st century there is a church within the church and and this is what we have seen transpire both together grew and prospered but they reached the point where for various and and, and sundry circumstances, and really many other things which we're not going to get into at length, necessitated that they separate. Because what begins to happen in verse 7, can you read verse 7 to us, Brother Jeremy, chapter 13? Yes. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. So what we begin to see transpiring is is now there begins to be uh, factional differences, strifes between the two camps. And in many ways, we've seen that same prophetic metaphor unfold as we went out of the 20th century into the 21st century. We saw two camps begin to emerge within the church. And ultimately, what we have seen now up through 2020 is a complete breaking and separation, if you can receive it, from the camp of Lot in the camp of Abraham, Abraham being the one that that walked in fidelity with God, Lot instead really reflects the end-time modern church compromise, that is, in what he does next. Abraham says you need to separate. What Lot chooses to do next is very metaphoric for the end times. If you, can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in verse 10 and 11? Chapter 13, verse 10, 11, and 12. Yes. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered, 
everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest into Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Well, first of all, and, and, and then in verse 12 it says, But Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. However, Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and he turned his tent toward Sodom. In many respects, that's what we've seen the compromised church, whether it's the Hillsong, the Bethel, the National, uh, what do they call it, the New Apostolic Reformation Group, the whole Kingdom Now camp, the, the faith preachers, the everybody's got a word, everybody's got a dream, the prosperity preacher, all of these represent and come up underneath the tent of Lot. And we've seen the progressive decline of the Pentecostal charismatic churches who primarily have driven this across the planet into a position where they have pitched their tent towards Sodom. This began to take place in earnest as we entered the, the, the late 80s, the mid to late 80s, and then it just blossomed into this, this, uh, this, this, <laughs> this horrible reflection of what should have been a separated church from the world instead became a lot-like church full of prosperity and yet now being drawn towards Sodom. They didn't start there, but they, as we know the story, will end up there because that's where Lot was. What's interesting in verse 11, chapter 13, is another insight because it says that Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan and that Lot journeyed east. Why this is significant for those of you who understand how God arranged his temple or even his tabernacle is that the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place uh, where the high priest would enter was in the West. And so what you have, in essence, is that the sun rises in the East, but it always sets toward the, the West. It's always moving toward the West. That's what how God uh, created his tabernacle and his temple so that the Holy Place and the Holy of, Holy of Holies uh, the sun rises and 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 looks exactly toward it. When we read in the in the prophet Ezekiel, for those of you who remember that series, one of the most egregious things and really the final straw was when the priests and the Sanhedrin and all of them basically in the morning they would turn their back on the holy of holies and bow toward the sun. The sun would rise, which is in the east and they had their backs turned toward the Holy of Holies, which is in the West. So when you see Lot choosing him all the plains of Jordan, and he's journeying East, that's Bible speak. That's Holy Spirit revelation for letting us know that in essence, the outward uh, <clears throat> actions of Lot and his camp were really reflective of an inward decline from turning their back on the presence of the Lord and moving towards Sodom, which had been uh, relegated to a, a future judgment that was just ahead in the not too many days ahead. That's what we see here. But it's at this point that Abram is finally free. And so what God was telling us was that there would come a time where the church of, of, of Abraham, if you will, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham, would experience a separation. Uh, and, and that separation would break itself off into two. One would be that prosperous uh, church that turns itself and moves toward the world. 
which is Sodom, and the other would be that which is left alone in complete and utter dependence upon God. But what begins to happen as a result of that is an increase in the anointing and the blessing and the affirmation that God is with that Abraham-like church, and that's what we see. Can you read verse 12 through 14 to us, Brother Jeremy? Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. Notice, that, notice what happens here. And that's what we've been talking about. Lot takes his whole group and pitches towards Sodom. It is a type of the end times. Jesus even told us as it was in the days of Lot, right? So we can draw from those statements by the Lord that we are looking at prophetic, uh, you know, uh, end time metaphoric stories here. They are actual historical stories, but they have implications for the end of time. That's why we're examining them. That's where we believe we are now. We're actually beyond this now. Lot is fully in Sodom. Once we get to chapter 15, we'll see, because that's where we're going to. So let's hurry here. What do we see in verse 14? Once this separation takes place, what the Lord is telling us, is, is and he emphasizes it, is it, it, it could not take place until that separation takes place. Take a look at this in verse 14. The Lord now speaks to Abram, and the Bible takes pains to emphasize this after that lot was separated from him so so there are things that could not be revealed as long as there was a compromised or mixed fellowship occurring so what we're actually witnessing if you have ears to receive it is what the spirit of god is telling us is that the working of the father son and holy spirit in the last days will be precisely to cause events to separate the two those who go with Lot are, will find themselves all up in the world and in a great position of danger, which is ultimately what would happen. And they will lose everything, but that's for another day. But Lot is separated, and then it says uh, the Lord is speaking to Abram now and then begins to cause him to lift up his eyes. So what we see here is when this process began to take place, which has been in earnest, really, and really kicked into overdrive, I think, when 2020 began. Once the church is shut, because the churches of, of the, of, on the national stage, on the global stage, driven primarily by the, the American religious establishment, the elite amongst the charismatic and Pentecostal corporation, that, that likes to prance around the globe and, and pretend that it's the prosperous church. Once the doors were shut, it was really a signal to us that the separation is complete. It's been happening for years, really. Many people have actually, over the years, you know, I've been around long enough to have seen this, you know, separated them from churches, went looking for fellowships, could find none. They were ostracized, they were mocked, they were called religious, whatever term you want to give them. But they were separated from that, that church because they no longer felt like this is what God is. 
because they found a church with its tent pitched towards Sodom, prosperous and being lured. Look, the Bible emphasizes in verse 13 that where he pitched his tent, the opening of his door, what he looked at constantly and his family were were, were the men of, of, of Sodom who were wicked and sinners exceedingly. That's what they were drawn to. And that's what the modern church has been drawn to. So the Bible takes pains in verse 14 to tell us Abram after Lot was separated. This separation, I believe, is is taking place or is completely taking place now. Only God knows, but I'm sensing it. This is 2021. We're, 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 we're away now. You know, it, <laughs> if you think you can just go back to business as usual, and you can go back and hook up and 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 these churches that 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 want to continue leading, go ahead and follow them if you want. But all they're doing is leading you to Sodom. They're so compromised. But once that separation has taken place, he now directs Abraham's eyes toward heaven. And the way that it's revealed is very telling. Because notice what he does here. He says, "Look up from the place you are, verse 14, to the north." northward and that's very very uh symbolic because north has always uh, been symbolic of of heaven itself you know the the sides of the congregation of the north right i'll ascend into heaven on the sides of the congregation of the north uh, it, it is in the north that that god is and so it's this triggering event of the separation of lot from abram of Lot going towards Sodom, but Abram remaining faithful to God, that God now speaks to him and begins to direct his attention to heavenly things. He says the north, then the south, and then eastward and westward. Notice God doesn't conclude the list with the east. He concludes it with the west. And that's what we were talking about earlier when the Bible says that Lot journeyed eastward He's literally journeying away from the presence of God. So now what we see happens, right, as we go on in this metaphor, uh, we understand that Lot and it begins to be, uh, is fully captured by the world. And, and a great war ensues, and, and Abram has to go rescue his son. And and there's a great battle that takes place, and I don't have time to get into all that today, but you study it out yourself. But what we want to do is then bring it and accelerate it further and reveal here what we're seeing in, in, in the scriptures. After the victory, because what we're told is that there's five kings that take the king of Sodom and, and all the inhabitants captive. Abram goes in a great battle and releases them, and he rescues his 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 nephew but all his goods everything he had was stolen he lost it all <clears throat> and so then when we get to verse 17 after the battle and abraham uh rescues them we see that the king of sodom comes out to meet abraham can you read that in 1417 brother Jeremy? and the king of sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Shedor Laomer, and of the kings, close enough, <laughs> and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale. And then verse 18 reveals something to us. 
And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Amen. And, and Abraham ends up paying tithes to all. So at this time, what, what Abraham now has a vision of, first the king of Sodom comes out to meet him, but so does Melchizedek. And so what we're having here is a dual light and darkness, so to speak. At this time, we're headed into chapter 15. And it's a great moment in Abraham's life because the king of Sodom will offer to Abraham all the goods, if you will, all the, the treasures. And it's very telling what he says to Abram in verse uh, 21 and 22. Uh, can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the, possess the possessor of heaven and earth, that I, I will not... Keep reading. Read it. Okay. Yeah. That I will, that I will not take from a from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abram rich. So what we see here then as we get close to this chapter 15, again from the prophetic insight of the end times, is that is that right before we get to chapter 15, uh, and, and, and Abraham has a great victory over all these wicked forces. It, it really speaks about a lot of things that I don't want to get into too deeply today, but it's really overcoming the unleashing of the demonic powers that we've witnessed in our time. And it's Abraham, not Lot, who has the ability to go and destroy them. It's a foreshadow of many things, but you reflect on it, you meditate on it, the Lord give you insight. But what we see in verse 17 and 18 through 20 is that the two, the two come at him. The first one that approaches him is the king of Sodom, verse 17, but at the same time also comes Melchizedek, who, who is that high priest. He, uh, Jesus Christ is called uh, a priest after the order of Melchizedek. So we're having revealed here that both will come. And, and, and what we see then is that the king of Sodom makes a move toward Abram. And, and, and it's interesting what he says, give me the people. That's really what he's after. He's a type of the devil. He's after the souls, right? You take the goods mm -hmm. to yourself. He's trying to entice him. It's kind of like the final test before we enter the final years upon the face of the earth, which we'll see in chapter 15. See, <laughs> Abram had this test. And he passed it with flying colors. He didn't even think about it. He he just simply re rebuked him, really, in the name of the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. I don't want anything you have to offer. And that's the issue, right? That's the true church. That's the glorious church. And what we're seeing as we enter into chapter 15 is just that, the difference between the two churches. Lot ends up going all the way back to Sodom. He didn't stay with his uncle. He, he ends up going back broke, all that stuff we could get into, but that's for another time. So Abram fully rejects the king of Sodom. And that brings us then to chapter 15, and we'll go quickly now. Because what chapter 15 is about to unveil is what I believe the Bible reveals in the book of Revelation as the final seven years of human history lived out 
in the way that God approached Abraham here, again, with the principle of the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. You see, that is why immediately after this revelation of, of Melchizedek and, 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 and the attempt of the king of Sodom to lure Abram away, I think the two go hand in hand because there is a, a definite sense of the moving of the, of the wicked one in, in attempting to entice the, 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 the church of integrity, if you will, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus comes and, and, and ministers to Abram, and in that strength he resists the king of Sodom and rebukes him in the name of, of the Most High God. But now this sets the tone, which, which brings us to chapter 15, which is what we were talking about. Abraham begins to have a vision, but really what he's having a vision of is our time. And we can see that if you have eyes to see. He, he then, after this victory, now the intensity's turned up, and he approaches Abram and tells him in verse 1, Fear not, I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. So it sets the tone for us. Two, three things, really. One, it, 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 it alerts us to danger because it says you don't have to be afraid, Abram, number one. Number two, I'm going to protect you. That harkens to Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, where he gives promises to the church of Philadelphia that even though this great trial is coming upon, the hour of trial, he described it, will come upon the face of the whole earth to try all the men upon the face of the earth, that Jesus will step in and protect the church of Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love, so to speak. So that's what we're seeing here. And then the, the third component is, I'm your great reward. In other words, there's nothing in this world that Abram was attracted to. What God is telling him and what he's telling his church right now is I'm going to protect you. You don't have to be afraid. And the end of this journey is you're going to inherit me. Hallelujah. The son of the living God. You're going to inherit God. I'm your reward. Yeah, there's, you know, there's benefits and all, you know, the cool things that God does and gives us and all that kind of stuff. But I will be your inheritance. To inherit our father the Son and the Holy Spirit, so to speak. That's what's, that's what's being promised there. And it must be the anchor for the soul. Now, in chapter uh, 15, verse 2 through 3, uh, there, there's something revealed here. Can you read that in verse 2 through three uh, through 4, Brother Jeremy? And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thy heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bows, bows shall be thine heir. Well, and he yeah, brought... No, that's all right. We'll just stop right there for now. So what we see here then is after the declaration, we've, we've just gone through chapter 13, chapter 14, the brief overview, prophetic metaphors, all that stuff. Now we enter into a time. I believe the fear not declaration represents the tribulation period. Abraham, in this sense, from verse 2 and 3 into verse 4, is, is, is in a metaphoric sense, again, prophetic sense. It's a sense. It's a desire that's growing within the true church of the Lord. See, Abraham begins to desire a seed or the seed. 
in many ways it's 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 telling that story that the church will begin to desire the true seed and and will begin to long for that true seed abraham in his case it's i ain't got time to get into it he's talking about the steward of his house and and if if you have time to study it on your on your own really what you're seeing here in eleazar is is a type of the gentile church you know much like the servants of Joseph in Egypt, when 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 Joseph's brothers came back, um, his servants witnessed them being reunited. You know, uh, th this this is the same kind of feeling there. We're seeing uh, a, a a Gentile attached to Abram, and he's and he's in control of his house. But the true heir to the promises will come by way of Israel, and really the true Israel is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. I know but you can think about it figure it out so listen so what we're seeing though here prophetically speaking is we've entered into a tribulation period much has just been described as as we've been describing and as we come forth now we see abram beginning to long for something and what god reveals to him is that it's going that one is coming as a matter of fact in verse four he says uh but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be thine heir. He's prophesying the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jeremy, turn over to Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. God calls it Abraham's seed. But how I know he's referencing Christ here is what Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the, promise, were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So that's who he's referring to. The one that shall come forth is Christ. And so by, by and keep your finger there, Brother Jeremy, because we're going to go back there in a second. What we see is that is that what's being revealed in the prophetic sense at this time in the tribulation period, Abraham is longing for 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 the for for his heir basically and so the church will begin to long for for their heir and, and and what god proclaimed to abraham is is he shall come forth from you right and and what that's proclaiming to us because what god was referring to there was abraham's seed and what paul said is abraham's seed is christ so when we apply that to our prophetic understanding what's being told in the flow of chapter 15 is that once we enter the tribulation period things are going to get frightful but god promises to be our shield and that the ultimate uh, inheritance of our endurance will be he is going to be our reward. He then sets the tone and begins to reveal a desire for the, for the coming seed. And, and Jesus is that seed. He, he's speaking prophetically, the Lord is. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Paul reveals that that seed wasn't necessarily Isaac in the natural, but Christ. That seed is Christ. So we see the prophetic me metaphor, he that shall come is Christ. And that is what's beginning to be revealed to the church right now. Those that are praying, those that are seeking God, those that are truly spending time with him, those that are cultivating uh, an ear to hear and eyes to see as led by the Holy Spirit, what's being revealed to them is the seed is coming. He's coming. He's going to come forth. And that is Christ. Christ is coming is also tied to the fullness of the church. And, and that's what we're going to see here in, in Genesis 15, verse, verse uh, 5 through 6. Now you can read that, Brother Jeremy, because he goes on to reveal the church. 
And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So in the flow of this chapter, as we said, we've entered the tribulation period, verse 1. Verse 2 through 4, we're seeing a development rise within Abraham, an expectation of the coming of the seed. But then we're taken, and that seed is Christ, then we're taken in 5 and 6, and it's almost as if God's showing Abraham all the stars and saying, they're going to be like this. It's almost like a, a signpost to us upon whom the ends of the world have come because he's saying when they reach this innumerable host, that's kind of what he's saying. He's preaching the gospel to it. Read chapter 3 of Galatians, Brother Jeremy, verse 7 and 8. He's preaching the gospel to it, which is how we know it's our time. Is it? Mm. No, ye three. therefore. Yes. Galatians yeah, 3. Seven and eight. Okay. Mm -hmm. It says, Now ye therefore that know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So there we see verse 6, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, Paul goes on to say he preached the whole gospel to Abraham and, and showed him how the Gentiles would be saved through his seed. All the nations would be blessed. That's what we see here in verse 5 and 6. That's why we can uh, legitimately apply it to our prophetic understanding that we have reached the last days. That Father Abraham literally lived it out and, and, and had it preached to him. He was he was showing us that when we reach this point, that all the nations have been blessed by the gospel, that a church has now arisen that is like the stars of heaven, which indeed it has, if you count it since the days of Abraham till now. We've had thousands of years where God has been assembling his, his children, and now here we are. And so that's what we see. The gospel was preached. Now, let's go back to Genesis. Yes. I just wanted to say something that I read uh, that it is connected to what you're saying concerning the seed found in Isaiah 53:10, where he where he speaks about yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him; he had put to him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offspring for sin, he shall see his seed. And when it's speaking about it's speaking about God uh, seeing his offspring, which is the seed is Christ Jesus, right? Right. But also he is speaking about seeing the posterity, in other words, the future of all generations of people. So I believe that this yes. is uh, you know, connected to Abraham you know, when he saw Christ. That's what he saw yes. is the future of all the generations of people. And I just uh, wanted to make that quick connection there, brother. That's, 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 that's right, brother. And so that's why in the flow of, of what we're having revealed to us here, when we reach the time, and that's the emphasis, when the, when, when the church has become like the stars of heaven, it is, it is a marker and an indication that we have now entered that point. He's, he, the, the churches have been separated, lots all up inside them, 
Abraham's passed the test of that final uh, luring of the king of Sodom and has received instead a fullness and a manifestation of Melchizedek, which is a type of Christ. We then cross into chapter 15 and we enter a tribulation period. And, 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 and we have the assurances of God given to Father Abraham. I'm going to protect you. And at the end of this, your reward will be me. He then uh, reveals in verse 2 through 4, a longing begins to develop in Abraham for, in his case, an heir. But what God reveals to him is that that heir is Christ. And so metaphorically speaking, it is a longing for Christ. We read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, that it was at this point so that we can compare scripture with scripture, what was actually happening was God was preaching the gospel to Abraham concerning the Gentile world and, and the coming together of all nations. Once all nations would reach that point of being blessed by his seed, which is Christ, and they would be like the stars of heaven. <clears throat> and they're a church built on the faith of that. He says, that is, that is the time, that is supposed to be the banner marker for that end time generation, if you can. And then as we, if, if our prophetic pattern holds true, then what we should see then is a furtherance of what has been revealed in the book of Revelation. And that is exactly what we see. Because in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, the call or the reminder to Abraham is the same call that's being given to us now. In verse 7, what does God say to him, Brother Jeremy? And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. So this is what we see then. Ur of the Chaldees is Babylon. When you do your research and, and figure that out, he was in that territory of Babylon. And so what God is saying to him now is, I've called you out of Babylon in order to give you an inheritance. And that is precisely what the call that is made in Revelation chapter 18. Could you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, uh, to the end time church? Revelation 18.4, I think it is. Yes. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. So there we see the symmetry between the pattern unfolding in the actual historical life lived by Father Abraham. He's living in time events. His very life is a prophecy yet to be fulfilled in all these promises. So the next thing we see is that once the church reaches its fullness, like the stars of heaven at the end of time, a call will then go out to Abraham's church, to Abraham's seed as the stars of heaven, so to speak, to come out of the of Ur of the Chaldees, just like like he did. He came out of Babylon, and that's what we're being called to do. Come out of her, my people. A further separation. In order to receive something, the promised land, right? To give you this land to inherit it. That heavenly Jerusalem, that heavenly city. That's where we're headed. But we're going to have to remove ourselves from everything, and, and and Abraham did, and so will we. Um, Abraham asks something, which is what's being asked by many who are students of the word right now, because they're sensing it. You know, God has been leading us out. God has been separating us. God has been revealing to us what's ahead. 
it's already begun and and uh and 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 the church has reached its fullness it really has i mean right now we're just gathering the last souls that are appointed only god knows who they are but they're out there and they're being saved and and so forth and so on but and 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 he's laying out a call for us to come out from that spiritual wickedness that's absorbed in the whole essence of what this world is which is corrupted decaying and defiled but now he asks the logical question, which is really in the hearts of many, which is verse 8. Could you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So he, there's two things here, right? How shall I know? And then that the inheritance, the time of the inheritance is at hand. That's really what he's saying. How will I know? In other words, he's asking, what is the sign? What is the signal that these days are near? And now we go into some really heavy things. Could you read verse 9 through 11, Brother John? Because he gives him the signal. And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the ver but the birds divided he not. And, verse and when the and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So he asked him that question, really basically to put it in modern language. What is the signal? How will I know? And basically that the time of my inheritance has arrived, God immediately draws his attention to the covenant. He draws his attention to the covenant that he's about to make with him. In our case, we're, we're on the other side of that covenant, but what we're seeing is metaphor, remember. And it's very interesting in verse 9 and, and 10, he takes a heifer of three years old, a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old. We ain't got time to get into every single one of these. I'll suffice it to say, we have three elements here, and really they represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This covenant cost God everything, and and so He draws Him to the covenant, and and He has those three uh, uh, elements of of the covenant promise offered to God, and and they're really a type of the Lord, and He divides them. But when it comes to the turtle dove and the young pigeon. He tells them, do not divide them. And and really what they represent is 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 the saved Jew and Gentile. See, we didn't pay the price. God did. But what we're seeing here is a is a prophecy hidden, if you can see it, that tribulation is coming. And that and that there, what we're going to see here really is is persecution in, and endurance. He that endures till the end, because what he's about to be taken into is, is again a, another revelation. First, as it's revealed to him through his own natural seed, which was Israel, but also as we re, as we view it, uh, the whole church, the, the church as a whole. That's what we see here in the birds not being divided. We, we didn't pay the price, but we enter into the fellowship of his sufferings. That's really what this is a type of. And it's an intensity that's, that's about to happen. 
he draws his attention to the covenant. And 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 then verse 11 reveals something that, that really foreshadows the end of time. Could you read verse 11 again, Brother Jeremy? And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Notice the language here. He calls them the fowls. And and this is really language that connects to, to Daniel. Could you read to us Daniel chapter 7, Brother Jeremy? I want to show you something here. Daniel 7. Daniel 7. And let's look at how this beast is described. This, this, this component of the beast system, verse 6. Yes. After this, I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also, foreheads and dominion was given to it. Dominion was given to it. We're not going to get into all that. Only to say that I believe what we're seeing here in verse 11 is that prophetic foreshadow of the end time. Abraham is fighting uh with these fowls. See, the book of Revelation reveals to us that the, that the beast system is made up of, of three components. It's the body of the leopard, the mouth of the lion, the feet of the bear. In Daniel 7, we see that the leopard that he saw has wings of a fowl. So connecting the scripture with the scripture, Abraham was asking the question, how will I know that I'm about to inherit or will inherit these things? He then draws him to the cross, really, to which represents our relationship with God, right? The covenant that was cut. And and he says, when the fowls come down upon it and, and really you struggle against it, that that's really an indication that, that, that you're near, right? But it's not going to come without intensity. You're going to have to fight them off, drive them away. This is spiritual warfare that he's experiencing here over the contested covenant. And there's martyrdom here in that you see a turtle dove and a pigeon. They're not divided, but they're in it together. That's the Jew and the young pigeon is, is the Gentile church. Both of them together will come under this, this spiritual attack. Father Abraham representing really in many ways the, the, the spirit of God, the Lord himself. You know, Jesus Christ is the son of Abraham is described in Matthew. All of these things. You know, this is much more advanced and, and grown-up type thought, but this is what we're seeing here. And Abraham has to drive them away. You know, he will protect his his covenant. But what we're having revealed here is that that is precisely what the enemy is going to try and destroy. And But he drove them away. And it's at this point now, and, and that's what I was talking to you about, the fellowship of the sufferings and, and the endurance, right? He that endures to the end. So it's at this point then, in verse 12, that I believe we cross in to the Great Tribulation period. And that is represented by what happens to Abram here in verse 12. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. So what we see then is that metaphor, right? The Holy Spirit drawing our attention to the sun going down. We've been talking at length that we've been sensing in our spirit that the shadows continue to grow across the planet. I think that's what we're seeing now. And Abraham, as he's contesting against these fowls, now the sun begins to go down. 
we're now entering into a transition from verse 1, which is the mere beginning of sorrows and the tribulation, to now verse 12, we're going into a, a, a horror of great darkness. This is that great tribulation period. Abraham was allowed to go into a deep sleep, which is the same thing that happened to Daniel, and, and was allowed to see things in the prophetic sense. And so that is what happened to Abram. He was allowed to see what was coming. He was given a vision of that time, just as many now are beginning to understand. We are on the fringes, the edges, and headed toward these same similar days. It's, a, it's the sun going down. It's a horror of great darkness, and it falls on him. And, and a prophetic revelation of, is given to him of, of the future. What he sees first, and you got to understand this, comparing Scripture with Scripture, is Revelation chapter 13, I mean, uh, being unfolded, yes, in, in, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. So the first thing that he's drawn to is is that they're going to come up under an intense bondage they're going to be oppressed and we know what this story is right it's a story of, of the passover but more than that it's a, uh, as well in, in addition to that it's a story of of them coming up under bondage with pharaoh as king that's what he's being showed here and we know from scripture as we've been told and brother fernando's quoted many times paul told us to learn from the examples of what happened to them, that they were prophetic upon us in the end of time upon whom the ends of the world have come. So we're applying this to this, and we're taking this. He first sees Israel, but this is also what is predicted to happen to the church in the end, a great horror, a great terror, the sun going down, and now they find themselves up under a bondage, up under a, a, a captivity, if you will, led by a type of the Antichrist, which is Pharaoh in this case, it will be the Antichrist in the not too many days ahead. And then in verse 14, it says what, Brother Jeremy? Also, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. So again, what we're having revealed here to us is is what is just ahead for the church, for Abraham's seed. Now remember, a, a captivity took place on Israel, but also a captivity will come upon the whole church in the end. But what it's leading to is what was revealed to Abraham. Afterwards, I will judge that nation, or really a metaphor, Egypt, for the whole world. And your seed will come out with great substance. That's the victory. That's the second coming of the Lord. But then we, we cross over into verse 15, and it's very metaphoric in this sense, that what it reveals to us is that all that we've been talking about to this point and what he's showing Abraham is, is going to take place over a long period of time, and then at the end will come. He reveals that in the next verse. But first, he, he says that by this in verse 15. He says, you will go to your fathers in peace. In other words, not going to happen in your time and you'll be buried in a good old age. So in other words, you're going to live a lengthy time before this all happens, you know, and comes to pass. 
so so that's really what we're seeing here is what Abraham saw in the beginning. A good long time would pass before what he actually saw revealed to him would come to pass. And God tells him, and it's very much, uh, you know, a, a metaphor, again, a prophetic metaphor for our time as the pattern holds. We come to a specific time that's identified, and it's identified in this way. Can you read verse 16, Brother Jeremy? But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So he draws his attention to the fourth generation. Much time has to come, but he, he calls it the iniquity of the Amorites, really the Gentile world, the most pagan of them all. It hasn't reached its fullness. That is exactly what happens to the world at the end. It reaches this culmination of a full cup of iniquity. And, and it's then, he says, that they will come out and come to the promised land, so to speak. That's what he's telling us. A time to judge will come, but it's yet for the future. And when the iniquity is full, that's when it will be judged. And that's what's represented. This is the second coming of the Lord in verse 17. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, Behold a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that pass between those pieces. Joel describes the day of the Lord as a day of darkness, right? Here we see it. The iniquity being full of the Amorites. Now what happens, the sun is completely gone and it's dark. And now we have God coming both as judge and as Lord. And, and he passes between the pieces. What he's actually doing is he's confirming in Abraham's time and sealing the covenant of all the promises he's just made and the revelation he's just given him, but he's also sealing the judgment of the world. Both. That's why we see a smoking furnace. This speaks of judgment, but it also speaks of victory, and it's a burning lamp, right? That's the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We see both judgment and victory passing between those pieces you see the cross was just that it was, it was it was the declaration that the covenant that had been cut through the flesh of the lord jesus christ for his children it's a burning lamp for the world who rejects it and their iniquity being full in the end time it will bring judgment upon them once that judgment occurs in verse 17, the final judgment, the return of the Lord, the smoking furnace is that judgment, the burning lamp is the Lord. It then gives way to the millennium, if you can see it, because now God says what? In the same day. Can you read that? Verse 18, brother? Yes. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river the river Euphrates. Well, check that out. So after the, the smoking furnace, which is judgment, the burning lamp passing between the pieces, it really represents judgment and promise. Judgment to the iniquity of the Amorites, promise to the children of Abraham, the children of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once that's accomplished, which you can read about in Revelation 19 and 20, then we have suddenly in that same day, it's the day of judgment, the day of victory for the saint of God, He's now offered the whole of the planet, really, for his day, right? The river uh, 
this whole land from the river of Egypt unto the great river Euphrates, the known world of his day, the promised land, that 1,500 square mile piece of land that will be given uh, to the children of God in the millennium. And what's interesting is, is he then references uh, this list in 19 through 21. Can you read that? The Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Kadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites, and the Rephaims, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. That's who he's going to be dealing with. If you count that list, the Canaanites 1, Kenizzites 2, Kadamites 3, Hittites 4, Perizzites 5, Rephaim 6, Amorites 7, the Canaanites 8, the Girgashites 9, and the Jebusites 10. This is who he comes to destroy and cleans the land out and gives it to Abraham. See, that's the book of Revelation. The Bible speaks of 10 kings, do you remember, that will rule mm -hmm. with the Antichrist for one hour. Here we have these 10 demonic uh, entities in the promised land absolutely destroyed. Uh, that's when he talked about the time will happen when the iniquity of the Amorites is full. God's going to destroy these 10 kings. God's going to destroy this Antichrist figure. And on that same day, the covenant was made with Abraham and the promise, really, of, of the kingdom of God, the planet Earth, all that stuff that the Lord told us would belong to his children with Jesus Christ ruling and reigning from the throne of David in Jerusalem. 2021 is advancing us quickly into these days. And this week is going to be something to behold, I tell you. Lord only knows what lies ahead as far as the history of it. But I believe we have crossed over now based on the things we've been discussing today. It is beginning and we need to be awake. Look now, he said to Abraham, lift up your eyes northward. That is what we say every day and that is our custom. We lift our eyes to the heaven in great anticipation and joy of the return of Abraham's seed, which is Christ. Even so, return quickly, Lord Jesus, is our prayer. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, anything to close us out with? Incredible uh, revelation. I was uh, here taking notes as well. Um, this is only one word for it. It's fascinating. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's the only thing I can say. The, <clears throat> the, the parallels of... Uh, of the story of Abraham and, and, and Lot. And again, it fits the template of what we've been talking about for almost a year. Uh, from the very beginning, we've spoken how there's coming a divide, a breaking away from uh, the true church and that false ecumenical church that is rising as we speak. Um, so the question is, why is the Holy Spirit continuously harping uh, prophetically and in a hidden way concerning these things that we are seeing and we have been talking to? Because it is exactly what must take place before the coming of the Lord. Yes. That's that's where we're at. You know, the connection with, with the, the Ten Kings that he, uh, Abraham uh uh, destroyed in connection with the ten horns of the book of Revelation, Revelation 13. Um, 
it, it's so amazing, and, and it's worth again, it's worth a a, uh, a continuous study of these things. So even after you listen to this podcast, um, open your Bible and begin to study um, these things out on your own. I remember when I was a young man and and learning prophecy. You know, I was just saved, <laughs> and and I would hear messages like this. These yeah. are the messages that transform my life. You know, uh, the, uh, these are the messages I'd go home and spend hours in, in trying to, to find more nuggets, right? More, more uh, revelation concerning Jesus Christ and, and, and his coming. And this is information now that is being given to the body of Christ for such a time yeah. as this. Yeah. Do not, do not, you know, just get to a place where you get used to what you're listening to. But understand that this is the grace of God. And when you hear these messages, these podcasts, we need to hit our knee and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the bread. Thank you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your revelation. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for not abandoning us at this time. Yes. Thank you. Man, he is, it is a, when word of God comes forth like we're listening to right now, it is that he is getting closer to us than ever before. He is coming yeah. for his people. Amen. Praise God. Yes. Yes, amen. Um, you know, just as Jesus, you know, uh, now you understand things like when the Bible says that Jesus knew his hour was come, that he should depart. These are nuggets. You know, the seed, right? It's been a long-awaited event. <laughs> from even the foundation of the world. Amen. And that's why when we see Abraham saw his day and rejoiced, amen, we yeah. need to know. We, we need to be acquainted with these things. We need to have fellowship with what is being said, the seed. He's coming back again, church, and he's coming very soon. We pray that you've been blessed uh, today on our first podcast of 2021. And we pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue uh, in our journey. I ask you, please, as uh, as you go to bed today, whenever you have fine time, continue to pray for uh, Brother Roy Chaton and his family. We just ask for your prayers uh, in this hour that uh, they are needed. So uh, please do, uh, if you can, take a moment and, and help us believe God and, and trust God in this hour uh, for Brother Roy and his family. May God bless you, may God keep you, and as always, keep looking up.